0: Alrighty. Ooh, this is a light shirt. It's going to get sweat through by the end of this for sure. Don't judge me, Mitch. No, not at all, bro. You're you're repping you're, uh, <laughs> Greek life. Yeah, man. Shout out my sister. ASA. <laughs> it's family day this week. I got a free shirt out of it. I was telling Frank about your Tupac picture back there. I was giving him some Tupac lore. Yeah, man. I heard some of it in during my frustrations of screaming at my computer. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. an amazing guy, man. I, I yeah, read uh, one of his biographies one time and, and was like blown away by like all the, it was it was interesting because it was like a biography about his life, but then also like each chapter would go back and forth between what was going on like in the world at that time too. Mm-hmm. They kind of like described the climate he grew up, like grew up in and fascinating dude, man.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, if you really think about some of those interviews, he was talking about fake news 20 years before Trump yeah right yeah he was and, that, he really and that's was. what he called it remember in that one interview how he's like dude they tell you what they want you to think about me they don't know the real meme Pope, mm-hmm. that's deep yeah, Donald man. Trump
0: calls it fake news and then boom it's like guess it was more catchy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah people like run with like the the thug life instead of like actually looking into what Pac was trying to do with that they yeah. just think like oh thugs that's just gangsters it's like no it's it's there's so much more behind what he was trying to say there and what he was trying to do just with gang culture in general. No, what's fascinating is when he took on that persona um
1: of uh Don Kiluminati, right? Where he yeah. was referencing Machiavelli. Well, if you really think about it, dude, Machiavelli was just a revolutionary in his own time. He eventually yeah. got clipped by the monarchy, but he was trying to tell people, be your own individual, be yourself, teaching people how to hustle. And it's funny because there's a lot of similarities between him and Tupac. I can see how Tupac read him and was like, like
2: a kindred spirit. And then faked his own death, just like Machiavelli.
1: Or was he actually taken out? Oh no, they took him out. <laughs> yeah, man, he was a he was an open credit to the machine. So uh, dude, back then the Medici's and all them, they didn't play around, dude. He stepped yeah, out of line, right. And remember, back then it was popular to do it out in the open. So you know. This part of the entertainment.
0: Was it the Medicis that got Galileo too? Wasn't that around the same time? The church got Galileo. It was the church. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and what's
1: crazy is, dude, they locked Galileo in a tower, and he was still working prolifically still doing astronomy <laughs> still doing everything that's like one of my biggest gripes with the church dude i mean dude i'm a person of faith but when it comes to institutions of church it's like i just don't mix with them but yeah like um you know they sell you empathy compassion love which let's be honest the person we all know is jesus christ yeshua ben joseph right he was an educated man and he never hoarded education and intelligence mm-hmm. and then what is the what does the vatican do they loot yeah. everything and they take it all back to a top secret uh, library. <laughs>
0: and they're completely unmonitored. They're like their own country, old police force, own bank. It's They can do whatever you want. And what's crazy is not only do they have all the
1: stuff they took from Alexandria via the Romans, all the incredible literature I'm sure is included from them, you know, the ASEANs, they destroyed the ASEANs. They assimilated mm-hmm. the Greeks, but they took all the stuff from uh, the Americas. So all the codices that that were written by the Mexica, which are the Aztec, the Olmec, the Inca, all that stuff is down there, too. Really? Yes. And it's like, wow. dude, what's crazy is there's there's like three codices that you can actually read by Spanish priests when they arrived to the Americas. And it's so funny because they are so so blown away by our cultures in the Americas that even Mm. in the in the codices, because these were educated men, they were scientists, right, trained observers, dude, they would write like, hey, what the Inca are doing is amazing. What the Mm. Aztecs are doing is incredible. And they go into extraordinary detail about plant medicine. And and of course, the church is like, well, because, you know, the people in Mesoamerica was like, oh, you don't need a church to find God. You just, you know." go to the plants, go to nature. That's God. Right. Um, and you know, the church obviously wants to filter you
0: through the building. So they, they took all that knowledge and
1: yeah,
0: it's locked up in the Vatican. So you think it's more maybe trying to hi- ho- cover up the history or like they didn't want people to know about the plant medicine or maybe even like something like an aliens that it could have influenced culture thousands and thousands of years ago that would disprove
1: anything. It's interesting when you go into that, because I try to teach my kids as well as my clients. The only way to really see what someone is up to is when their words align to their actions. If those move congruently, then you could probably assume that that person's on the up and up. Mm-hmm. So if an organization is really selling love, compassion, right? Like the, the religious markers. Tenants, yeah. But then their actions are invasion, you know, acquisition, financial right? Monetary. It's like, you're not, you're not congruent with your message. So obviously you're not, you're not being honest. Right. And let's be honest, like, um, you know, what's fascinating is, is I've taken the deep dives on Jesus. And so like Jesus was known to come from a group in the Middle East called the ASEANS. And the ASEANS were astrologers, alchemists, uh, we're into meditation. We're into um, reincarnation. And some people, some biblical um, theologians believe that the New Testament is written by Escians. That's why the Old Testament and the New Testament it sound very different. Yeah. But, um, so, and you know, and Jesus was part of these people. John the Baptist was part of these people. And let's be honest. If, like, let's say Jesus was walking around now, and the guy had such an extraordinary message, who do you think would be the first people jumping on Jesus? The church, the government? I mean, they'd be they'd be censoring <laughs> him like nobody's business because because his message isn't an in, an inclusive, mm-hmm. right? And so again, when people's actions don't line up with their uh, with their words, that's the biggest red flag in our culture. Yeah. Well, they did crucify him. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah.
2: 23 years ago Friday.
0: I know. And we're talking about him and it's good. It's good Friday. This Friday. I love how we we got to this from Tupac. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's interesting because there's always luminaries that come into our world. And I think that's what they're meant to do, man. Like Tupac had the, probably one of the best quotes I've ever heard. He said, I won't change the world, but I'll definitely touch the mind of the person who will. Hmm. Mm. And I'm like, well, yeah, like,
0: dude, everyone listens to his music and I still listen to his music and the acronym for thug life, the hate you give little infants fucks everyone. That's like so true. Cause it just passes down that, like whatever de- defeated mentality or hatred mentality, like it just passes down negative energy through generations. And, and he's right. It fucks everybody in the long run. So it, he's a wise man, man. Yeah. He,
1: he was um, definitely ahead of his time, but yeah. um, if you guys want to circle back the plant medicine part and i'll share all my experiences with you guys should we introduce him frank
2: (laughs) yeah it's kind of hard to cut an intro when you when you when we do shows like this um but this is the friendship news hour on april the 5th 2023 my name is frank his name is alex and we are joined by the wise sage and handsome mitchell zadaleggi hello sir thank you for being here I want to know about your experience but I really want to know how you got to the point where you allowed yourself to open up to something as strong of an experience as plant medicine. And were you always open to it? Because really what I what I what I would love to to is for somebody who's who's hesitant on the fence or even somebody who opposes the idea of going out of of yourself, out of your body into another realm and just see from one person's experience how you got to that point.
1: Sure. Um, And good morning, guys. It's awesome to be with you guys. Fan of the program. I really enjoy listening to your guys' conversations. Thanks, Mitch. You know, as you can imagine, uh, being raised Mexican because I am Mexican, but American because I live in America, my family influences were heavily Catholic, right? Catholic Christian. So you know what the Catholic Church says about anything apart from wine. You know, you don't drink, you don't do drugs, you don't have sex, you don't have anything. So those were some of the tenets that really were imposed on me as a kid. So even as a young man growing up in the hood, when my friends were smoking pot and drinking, that was just not one of my things. I've always been very anti-substance. I don't know why. I'm not saying I haven't tried them. It's just not a real big thing for me, for my taste or whatever you want to call it. And so my, the closest thing to an addiction I've had is really reading. Um, ever since a young man, I've always found knowledge in books. And so the way I, I, I came to this is um, at the time, I was experiencing a lot of life challenges. You know, challenges in my relationship, challenges with my kids. My mom was getting close to passing away. And, um, and it was just a lot of upheaval in my life. And so, you know, I have an undergrad in psychology, so I'm totally okay with going and speaking to a therapist, but I had already done that a couple of times. And the first thing they did was try to hand me some pharmacology, right? They were like, okay, Mitch, you're sad, fix your sadness. Mm. with And because I was, uh, unaware, I was like, okay, let's try it, but it didn't work. You know, I'm a voracious reader, man. So I read anything I can get my hands on, especially books on personal development, um, books of spirituality. So I was already doing meditation and breath work. You know, I love martial arts. So I had already done a lot of that in Kung Fu and Tai Chi and Qigong. But I was in such a bad place. I remembered that there was a there was a mystic in Mexico. Her name was Maria Sabine. And everyone went to her to do mushroom ceremonies. So the Beatles, Walt Disney. I mean, it's like a who's who David Bowie. I mean, uh, you can research it later of people who went to go see Maria Sabine. And and the list is like extraordinary. You're like, forget about it. So I remembered that I read those journals and then I started reading about it. And I started doing a lot of research on plant medicine because there's a bunch of different types and plant medicine is indigenous to the world. So like, you know, obviously everything that exists in the Americas has been here for thousands of years. Everything that exists in Europe has been there for thousands of years in Asia and every culture. And I started recognizing that, that it's a practice in every culture that hasn't been westernized right? And by Westernized, I mean Greeks to Romans, Romans to everything, Romans to the church. So I was in such a bad place in mind, body, and spirit that I was like, okay, if all these people are doing it, it must be something worth exploring. And so it was more out of desperation than courage. Mm. But I had to find courage because kind of like what you said on the intro, you know, get to the point where you're willing to do something. So because... uh, I'm a big reader. You know, Alex is like, yeah, no, no, thank you. I I was <laughs> like I was like, let me do a little bit of the science behind this, right? So so like for example, the most active ingredient in ayahuasca is DMT, dimethotriptyline. Well, what people don't know is we're already producing that on our own, out of our pineal gland, especially when we sleep. You know, when you're in REM sleep. And you're dreaming that you're going out with you know the hottest model or playing on an nfl football field or whatever your dream is or rocking out with Ozzy osborne your brain is already producing dmt to really? put you into that experience
0: interesting yeah. i i thought i had always heard that dmt was released in your brain only like the moment you were born and the moment you died but so it's it's continuous throughout life huh oh you're experiencing every night you're experiencing
3: wow. every night very Don't cool you,
1: i mean think about it alex when we were younger men Mm-hmm. And you have these really intense th- dreams with women that yeah. you're like, oh, my God, I'm like kissing this woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you wake up and you're like,
3: no, this is just a dream.
1: <laughs> well, think about it. In order for it to become that visceral of an experience, uh, it has to be a chemical thing going on. That's true. Yeah. So, Okay. So when I saw some of the science behind it, DMT already in our bodies, you know, I read a journal that said that, that when people get out of ayahuasca trips, they don't feel hangovers or anything like that. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, and I consider myself a bit of a scientist. So I'm like, well, if we already have DMT and then I ingest DMT, well, obviously my body knows what to do with it. So there's not even like a hangover effect. It just has to go through our digestive system and you move forward. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like in my... Rudimentary thinking about it was kind of the understanding I came to it. And I think that's what helped me say, well, you know, it was used for thousands of years in all of our cultures. You know, the first time you guys heard of it was the Oracle at Delphi, right? At the time of Greece. Oh. They would ingest a form of. Hallucinogenic. So that's what the oracle in Delphi was doing. So people would walk thousands of miles to go see what the oracle was going to say. She would ingest some form of plant medicine or ergot or some type of fungus, and then she would go into trance and then she would give the Greeks the knowledge. Very cool. So, yeah, man. So it was like, so I was in such a bad place. I do a lot of journaling, man. And so in my journals, I could read, and I'm just like, man, I'm not in a good place, you know, not a strong, strong mind, body, spirit position. And so I started researching. I found tons of interviews. I saw a bunch of videos on YouTube. Then I started doing more research about the different types. And of course you read some of them and you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot. But you know, I guess I've always had a belief, and this goes to my own personal beliefs, is that we're born divine, that we're born like a clean slate, but then we acquire all kinds of knowledge and not all of that knowledge is good. And especially before the ages of zero to 10, Science has proven that we're in a theta brain state. A theta brain state is almost like hypnosis. So imagine we're going through the most critical time of our lives in a hypnosis state, and we're just assimilating information with no filter. Mm. So if your mom is beating on your dad or your dad's beating on your mom, or there's a family party and there's like 80 beers on the table, Mm. you know, you're like, oh, that's normal. No, that's Mm. not normal. But we're so little you know, or we don't have a coach there that's telling us, Hey, that's crazy.
0: Don't pay attention to that or whatever. Just a malleable brain.
1: Yeah. Malleable brain. So I'm building all my research on, okay. And then, you know, to be super transparent with you guys, the hardest time of my life was at that age for me. Cause my dad was a a performer in Mexico and he loved the nightlife. He had an alcohol problem and my mother, um, was hooked on prescription meds. You know, that was the time, that 80s, 70s time where they were just handing out Valium and Xanax like Mm. M&Ms. And so when I read that piece of research that the most impactful experiences of our lives are between like zero to eight, zero to 10, that that for me was all I needed to make the decision because I thought, oh my goodness, that's like the worst time of my life and I'm not feeling good right now. Let's go for it.
2: Now, do you consult with family before you do something like this? No, it was, it was a very personal
1: thing. And, and here you guys are going to love this part. So the, the famous author, Joseph Campbell, are you guys familiar with him? Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. So the guy that inspired George Lucas and all those other guys oh. that write the movies, he would talk about that we all have a hero's journey. That's why we love movies like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings because it identifies with something in our spirit. So what I told my wife and my mom, and my mom is, my mom doesn't count bro, because my mom was a, she was an adventurous woman. My mom was like, go for it, do it for like a month. <laughs> and, and my wife was like, "Like, okay, if that's what you want, but I was on a mission to get better. And because I'm very headstrong, obviously I didn't think that plant medicine would resolve everything, but I think it, I believed it would,
2: be a good first step on getting better. Like I was looking for context. So, okay, so that was my question. So, so what, what was what was your intent going into it? I mean, yeah, get better, but but specifically, what what were you looking for?
1: I I in my mind, in my imagination, kept reading and listening to people describe the experiences, and a lot of people talked about feeling changed from them. And at that point, I was feeling so much pressure, man. I was feeling like a balloon. That in my mind and my rudimentary thinking, I thought, well, if I have an experience, it's at least going to change my perspective and my context on how I perceive my own life. Mm. And even that in my imagination, like, you know, when an 18 wheeler hits the brakes and it goes. That's what I imagined in my mind. I was like, okay, well, however it goes, whatever happens, that is just going to relieve some of the pressure. That was really what my intention was. But by then I had already read about 10 books
0: about it, listened to about 30, 40 interviews about it, and then looked at the science behind it. For me, I always thought DMT and ayahuasca were like similar, but different things. But I'm hearing now that DMT is in ayahuasca. So did you, in your research, see like, Because I know people will just smoke DMT straight up and ayahuasca is kind of a different process. Like what made you decide, Okay, I want to go more of the natural route than what I would assume is more of like a process route? You know,
1: that's a great question, Alex, because being a person of a spiritual nature, I'm not into ingesting substances. Don't get me wrong, man. I'll go have a beer or smoke a cigar with a friend or whatever. I mean, I I just don't mean consume it recreationally because I don't Mm -hmm. like putting foreign substances in my body. And so because I'm a person who's really into like, you know, in the martial arts, man, there's tons of ceremony, you know, you get a belt, it's a big hoopla, you're rewarded for it, it's like a step of ascension. In my mind, I always thought that shaman do this and it's something to take very serious. It's not recreation, you know? And so in my mind, I was like, no, I need to go somewhere where it's being respected where it's being treated like it's something very important. Almost like if I was going to church, Mm. because, you know, we all know our friends that are taking ecstasy tablets at the clubs and all that. And how often do you see that end terribly? All the time. So it's (laughs) like, I'm like, no, I want to do something. And because like I was telling you guys, in ancient times when children were moving from childhood into young adulthood, there's always ceremonies to acknowledge that. You know, in the Jewish tradition, you see a bar mitzvah. In, in in every tradition, every tradition has it, right? Like in Catholicism, you see First Communion. What people don't understand is those are forms of ceremony. But they have all the bells and whistles of a ceremony, right? You're blessed. The, these are all words that are included in these ceremonies. But what I came to learn is... Like our First Nations people and people in in the Americas and in Eastern Europe, in Siberia and Russia, that's another big um, hub for shamanism, including Asia and the Polynesian Islands. They would give uh, people uh, plant medicine when they were moving from like childhood to adulthood as a form of, I don't know what you want to call it, man, like a spirit quest or a graduation or some form of thing that when I read that, I'm like, wow, so shaman or people of a tribe, they're wise men would give this to children. So it can't be a bad thing. Right. I'm like, and then, and then here's one of the sealing, one of the sealers for me. So again, I go back to like, I'm a voracious reader. So I started thinking to myself, why am I so afraid of this? And, and my question was, is Mitch afraid of it? Or have I been told to be afraid of it mm-hmm. by quote unquote authorities, government, church, So is it me who's really afraid, or am I processing fear that was imposed on me? And, you know, when you start looking at it like that, I thought, well, I know what the church is about. I know what the government's about. And in reality, this is about Mitch getting better. And you see that mental health is an epidemic in our country, right? PTSD is an epidemic in our country. What's even worse is PTSD is an epidemic in our country to the most fragile demographic which is homeless people and people from the military. Mm. So it's like, talk about people who need help. Right. Mm. And I read in one of those journals that they were doing that for people with PTSD. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I found a place in Mexico. Uh, You guys will think this is funny, but in some places, uh, plant medicine is used as a form to detox people who have substance abuse problems Mm. because of the, of the, I'll explain it to you in a little bit but they use it to get people off alcohol, heroin, crack, I mean like everything. Obviously it's not used stateside but it's it's legal in Mexico and in many parts of the Americas. So I found a place in Ensenada and it was a uh, and it was one of those places to treat people with substance abuse and at the time I was like, well, dude, why not? Why not go do it with these people, right? They're having an experience and, and I'm just a normal dude, but, you know, let's, let's go do it there. And, uh, and it was a really great experience, man. I was there for a week. I did, um, I think, five plant medicines while I was there. And it was an extraordinary experience. So ayahuasca is one of the most popular ones. What's extraordinary about ayahuasca is ayahuasca is a mix of a plant and a, and a, and a vine. So imagine the guy who mm-hmm. discovered that. We're going to mix the plant and the vine, and then we're going to cook it, right? <laughs> and so so I tried ayahuasca. There's another form of plant medicine. Um, this one's going to gross Alex out. I just see it in his face. But one time a year, there's a bullfrog in the area of Sonora, like Arizona, and this mm-hmm. bullfrog comes out of the dirt out of hibernation or something. And so the shaman get a stick, like a pep- like a popsicle stick, and they rub it on the back of the of the bullfrog and they spread the poison like chocolate, like a chocolatier huh. and they let it cool and then they break it and they smoke it like, like a rock. Mm. And that's called, um, that, that bullfrog is, is known as bufo. buffo. If you look for it, it's called bufo. And then, you know, of course we all know of the mushrooms, mushrooms have psilocybin, you know, this goes in line with like sweat lodges and stuff like that. Cause in sweat lodges they use plant medicine as well. Um, have you, either of you gentlemen done like a sweat lodge? Never even heard of it. Oh, Never. okay. So first nation people create like a, like a hut mm. and they, and they, and they heat up lava rocks and they put them in the center. And then the shaman is singing. You're closed into this hut and they're using plant ceremonies and plant medicine. And that was also an extraordinary mm. experience. But for those who have like claustrophobic issues or
0: issues with the dark, it is a real big challenge. So is it like it's sauna-like, but then they introduce like plants yeah. that will like yeah. do different things? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you. no,
1: and it's mm. plants, real normal plants. Like, um, like, you know, we know essential oils. Everyone loves the smell of eucalyptus, so they use yeah. eucalyptus in there. They don't mm. use any psychedelics, believe me. The teepee is closed, and it's so hot, your brain right away starts, starts adapting to it very easily. Cool. Nice. Yeah.
2: So it's it sounds like this is a pretty popular destination that you went to. Well,
1: I I think... Uh, oh, and I didn't mention it was full of Americans. Uh, there was not one indigenous Mexican there. It was really? there was like 20 American people. Yeah. Hmm. Those places are popping up everywhere because I think the level of desperation in people hmm. is reaching an all-time high.
2: Well, listen to what and, you just said. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you just talked yeah. about taking the excretion of a frog, drying it, breaking it up, and smoking it like a crack rock. I think to to any normal person listening, it's like, yeah, no, thanks, I'm good on that. Thank you very much, but I will pass.
0: Everything he just said, I wanna try. Well, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll
1: I'll tell you guys about, um, so the Bufo, the Bufo, right, the bullfrog, it's mDNA, so it has DMT, and so most Mm. plant medicines, the effect is gradual. Mm. So it kicks in maybe 20, 30 minutes after you ingest it. The MDNA, it's DMT with an extra molecule of oxygen. Dude, that, that is like being fired. Like, you know when they fire a <laughs> rocket into the atmosphere? That is the closest description I could have to that. It's like,
3: woo! <laughs> like, um,
1: like, it's funny, but the visual I always have in my mind, like, you guys love Star Trek, right? I'm speaking to people who have seen Star Trek. Yes? Yes. Okay, well you know when the Starship Enterprise is about to go warp yeah. and part of it goes forward and there's a little piece that's still stuck in the back and then when it hits it's just like and it disappears. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think it probably can best describe what that feels like.
0: <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: No, and I and you know, it's it's interesting. I'll share with you guys that experience in particular because you know what what people don't understand is is we've been indoctrinated Since we were very little and we inherited our parents' belief systems, their rules, their regulations, but we also inherited their trauma. And because our personality, as you mentioned, Alex, is super malleable when we're little, we start assimilating all those behaviors, all those feelings without a filter. So then later as an adult, and you guys have experienced this in your 30s, you hear your parents say something and you're like, no, believe that but it was in your head hanging out mm. like a truth mm. right right and and so it, it it's in doing that research that it also felt like i was being pushed towards the medicine because because like it's very common problems with people nowadays i believe have simple solutions and i'll give you an, exp- an example i'll give you one of my own examples you know i was raised by my mom my grandmother and my sister so as much of a manly man as I am, there's a, very, there's a very feminine piece of me, and I'm very pro-feminine in a lot of ideas. But what I inherited, and this I didn't know until much later, is I have a, I have a savior mentality. Because I saw my mom and my grandmother go through horrible experiences, and I was too little to help them, right? Because I was a child. Um, as a man, when I see people with a problem, or women with a problem especially... I right away want to put on the Clark Kent cape and fly in and be Superman and help them. But I didn't realize that that was a maladaptive survival mechanism that I inherited because I saw my mother, sister, and grandmother suffer. It wasn't my business to save them. I was a child. So I shouldn't be referencing savior mentality, thought processes, and actions in my life. Mm-hmm. Really, I should just be taking care of myself and my responsibilities, which are my wife and my children. But it's that it's that type of impactful programming that's running your subconscious that I felt was very insidious because it was like, man, I, sh- I should have never felt like the man of the house. I was only five years old when my dad left, but yet I saw my mom and grandmother suffer so much. I created a sub-personality, like Carl Jung would say, of the superhero. And so moving forward, I was always trying to be the superhero and no one even assigned me that job. I inherited that job. Mm -hmm. Even when I speak about it now, I'm like, dude, that's so dysfunctional. And then you think about this, people, women love you for it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: How crazy is that? Mm -hmm. Reinforcing the reinforcing. (laughs) Right. And then I'm like, oh, I'm the ladies man and I'm closing them all over. Right. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it's like, dude. That's like some form of magic. It's like I was hypnotized or something, and then I'm using it to my benefit. But it's it's a dysfunctional, codependent behavior. You know, to get into the psychology part of it.
2: I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, material versus spiritual and your experience. Oh yeah, uh, under Dude, that's my under favorite this, topic. Under this medicine, I think you know you, you bring up a good point. Brought up a couple times about. Being raised under a certain religion and um, sort of breaking off from that when you hit the age of reason and maybe feeling a little bit jaded towards what you were taught once you start to learn new things and realize that maybe you were kept in a little bit of a bubble. I think culturally, at least in America, a lot of a lot of folks our age and and you know even a little bit older have felt that and have moved away totally from a spiritual interaction with, with their life. And we interact almost exclusively materialistically, right? right? And when I say materialistically, I don't mean that we're greedy or that we like things or that we like or, in, in the normal sense of consumerism. I mean, I, I think we, we much less interact with anything that could be spiritual mm-hmm. and almost always physical, right? If you can't prove it, if you can't see it, if it, if it can't make a hundred percent sense in your mind, out of your head. What was your experience in this medicine with the spiritual?
1: You know, what's extraordinary that you mentioned, Frank, I'll answer this and then I'll give you the example of what it was like. You know, everything in our world is duality, man, light and dark, positive and negative, good or bad. That's how it was taught to us, right? By the church, God, the devil, whatever, whatever iconography works for you. And in that same way, it's material and spirit. You know what I'm saying? And it's this thing of duality, and it's really fallacy, man. The best example I can give you is, are you familiar with the yin-yang symbol? Sure. Okay, right. But do you remember how in the yin and yang symbol, the white has a little bit of black, and the black has a little bit of white?
3: Yeah.
1: Right? So it's like, it's the duality that always exists. Within every human being, because not everyone is 100% good or 100% bad, we're all a little bit of both, right? I yeah. mean, if you really want to, I mean, I can I can give you as many bad stories possible about myself, and then I can give you as many as many great stories of myself. But uh, one of the things that you're talking about is extraordinary because you've observed this just through seeing it. Is our world is really stuck in materialism, right? And that's how it measures everyone. Alex is successful. If he goes to college, he gets his master's, he gets a great job, he's making 200 grand a year. It's like all these societal expectations. But the Alex that I just described, he might be the unhappiest dude in in the history of the world. Yeah. And maybe if I put Alex on a farm with some chick and he's growing vegetables and he never did all those other things, he might be the happiest human being I have ever met in my life, right? right? But it's, um, but it's unfortunate because spirituality has been tainted by structured religion. Mm-hmm. Because if you really think about it, people are turned off because of, oh, I have to get up on Sunday and miss NFL football. Go sit to a three-hour sermon at, a, at a, an adult high school where everyone's gossiping and chicks look good and guys whatever. And, and it's like all these constructs, but they form the basis of people's perspectives. Because like if I were to tell you guys, hey, guys, you know, we're going to go hang out and we're going to have a spiritual experience. And I took you guys to the beach. We just hang out. We eat. We talk. And I just hold space for you. And you're going through something. We deconstruct it. I help you work it out. Now you have some strategies. Alex does the same thing. And after our three-hour experience, you guys go home. You guys have like five or six tools in your toolkit. And you'd feel great. And that's a spiritual experience, right? Mm. Without not even involving plant medicine or anything like that. But because we've been presented with this idea of religion, of the building, of the guy in charge who, you know, could or could not be some form of pedophile, because we all know about that. Um, spirituality and religion, they are to me, they're the furthest things apart from one another.
2: And yet in this world, you still can't escape the spiritual, right? just because the organized religion aspect of it may not foster or shepherd in the spiritual, the way that they're telling us it will, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? It doesn't, it doesn't just do away with that, which can't be explained. Right. It just means that the way that we were traditionally fostered into it may have been a little bit skewed, led us astray and now we're finding new ways to interact with that. And I think that kind of brings back to, to, to your experience there is that we still need that reassurance, that enlightenment, that maybe we're not finding through something like prayer or something like going to confession or whatever it is that your religion dictates that you get in that way. And I think that that's such a good way to approach something like plant medicine. When you describe these things that are so out there that that really rock your brain that take you to depths that you've never been before that, you know, that take you for a ride that you really need to strap on and and it it will change you. Right. Uh, And you, you can speak to that. I mean, I've had very little experience with it, but, but enough to know that it's, it's, it's something to be reckoned with and and not taken lightly, having reverence for it as well. Oh
1: yeah. And, and I'll tell you guys about my first experience and it's going to have a lot of funny things and a lot of sad things, but it's, it's that type of experience so like my first day there they welcome me um i'm there at the facility with 20 other people who have serious substance abuse problems and it was it was all americans from all over the country from new york florida texas california and they were all walks of life and they all did different things and so it was like a it was like a substance abuse center so all they were allowed to do was smoke, but lights would go out at eight o'clock. You would be expected to go back to your room at that time. They prov- would provide the meals and it was right by the beach. So my second day there, I, I went out to the beach and the shaman's name was Beto. Um, he doesn't like for me to call him a shaman, but that's what he was. And so he's like a simple dude, man, had his guitar, had a little box with some stuff. And he goes, yeah, dude, come on, let's go, let's go do it. And, and yeah. And, and I mean, you guys know me very little, but I seem like a guy who'll jump into the deep end of the pool just to experience what that feels like. But you know, when he tells me, Hey, come on, we're going to do the first one. I could just feel my heart. Like, Mm. holy shit. What did I get myself into? But part of me was like, Nope, I drove whatever 300 miles to get here. I'm going to see this through and I'm not going to back out. For whatever reason I'm here, I believe that this is the way. Like the Mandalorian, right? This is the way. So he sits me down and he says, and you guys are going to love this part. He goes, you know, honestly, Mitch, he goes, I'm only used to working with people with problems. He goes, you are the first person that I'm going to work with. He goes, who's healthy? He goes, you don't do drugs or alcohol. He goes, you're just here for the spiritual part of it. He goes, so thank you for honoring me with that. I didn't know if to be scared or be happy about that, but I'm like, okay, so I guess this is a new one for both of us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he cleans the space. He puts a blanket down on the floor. He was drawing shamanic symbols on the sand. Cause we were right by the water. I was like a 15 yard throw of a football to hit the ocean. It was just right there. So he's cleaning the space. He breaks out the sage and like, you know, when we used to play football in high school or whatever, and it's right before the game and you're just like oh my god i have to play well i can't blow it what is this going to be like let me remember my assignments how many positions am i playing today like you know you're going through all that sprinkle in all the say no to drugs nonsense and mcgruff's the crime dog and <laughs> all the religious stuff and so all that is hitting you right before it you know And so, you know, I, you know, in martial arts, I did tons of breathing, man. So I was just like, I have to breathe my way through this because it's a real big experience. Like, and for a person who doesn't do drugs, I mean, dude, I I might've smoked a little pot and might've drank a little bit, but I've never put myself where I'm out, you know? So, so this experience was going to be completely new for me. I believe I was 42 at the time or something. And so, you know, he breaks out the pipe and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm becoming a crack addict type of thing, you know? And so it's a pipe, and he put, like, four crystals. And he goes, Mitch, you have to smoke all of it, okay? And I'm like, okay. And it was super serious, man. It was ceremony. It was straight ceremony. He was clearing the space, drawing symbols on the floor. Hmm. And and instead of giving it too much thought, dude, he, he, like, pushed it forward. I was like, I grabbed it, and I was like, And I smoked like three fourths of it. Dude, and the medicine was already kicking in right there. And and I pushed it away. And Bethel was like, Mitch, you have to finish it. And I was like, No, man, but they're leaving. And he started laughing and he goes, No, you're okay, you know? So I smoked the rest of it. And it's such a bizarre feeling, like like have you guys seen Doctor Strange? Oh yeah. Okay, remember when the ancient one hits Doctor Strange and he flies out of his body body. and it's like a spirit Dude, I fell to my knees, and it was hilarious, man, because I could just hear in my head, you drove all this way for this experience. This experience is going to be good for you. You have to let go. So I was on my knees, man, and Beto says, Mitch, you have to lay down for it to start. But dude, your ego is so accustomed to being in control of your body, I couldn't lean back and fall on my back. I was like my arms were like this my hands were like I was rocking forward like like my ego didn't want to let the medicine do its job and he put his hand on me and he goes he goes mijo like son he goes you have to lay down so like when we were kids man watching WWF I threw myself back to get myself on my back (laughs) because I couldn't rock myself easily my body was just not wanting to let go of the control part. So I proceeded to like throw myself back and I landed flat on my back. And, and it was like something else, man. It was like you were on another planet, but I could still see, I could still hear the ocean. I could see the plants. And all I hear is then I hear like electricity, man, like, zzz- and I remember telling the shaman, Oh my god, Beto, you laid me down in a bed of bees. Mm. And he started laughing because he's singing, man. He's doing his shamanic songs. He's mm. burning incense, burning tobacco, throwing salt on the floor. I mean, he's doing the thing, right? <sighs> and so I'm hearing all this electricity. And and real quick pause. There was a there was a chemical engineer there. Like one of those granola dudes from Berkeley. <laughs> And after my experience, he goes, yo, he goes, bro, did you hear it? And I'm like, Alex, what are you talking about? And he goes, bro, did you hear your hemispheres? And I was, and I started laughing and I go, oh my God, Alex, I thought I was laying in bees. And he goes, no, bro. He goes, do you know that the only time that both your hemispheres and your brain are firing is when you're doing plant medicine? He goes, so what you heard was your brain firing synapses, neurons. It's like going wow. on. Huh. He goes, and it's the only time it happens when you've taken plant medicine. Is it daytime wow. or nighttime? It's, it's daytime. Okay. So, let's, so that's after the fact. Let's go back to the experience because this will probably break your heart. So I throw myself on my back like it's WWE. I'm listening to the bed of bees. And my brain is just firing, bro. It's just like, like I'm hearing all this electricity. And I'm just breathing my way through the experience because you absolutely know when you're under the influence of the medicine, your ego is no longer there. The judgment is no longer there. That little voice inside your head is not there anymore. It's gone. And it almost feels weird because you miss it because you're so accustomed to it. You know, and I'm just like, but it was weird because I was breathing and I was like, this is what it's like not to judge myself. I'm at the beach. It's a beautiful day. And then at that time, dude, a golden eagle yells and flies around me three times. Like something out of a Jim Morrison song. She flies around me three times. He takes off. And the shaman was like, good Mitch, that's your spirit totem. She's here for you,
0: but dude, you're like you're not there, dude, you're like on another plane. Which plant was this that you smoked at the time? This was the bullfrog. This is the okay, okay, gotcha. okay.
1: And so just so that you guys understand normal plant medicine, depending on how much you ingest, normally you have to take about three to five grams to have a psychedelic experience of any plant medicine. Mm-hmm. So the bullfrog is different because that's like a smoked substance that's like a like a rock. You know, then it's not even like crack. It's like he made it like in little squares. Mm. Like, you know, when we used to eat candy, when we we're little, like little popsicles and it breaks and it looks like a little rock. Yeah. That's what it looked like. It was, it looked yellow, but yeah. because this one has an extra mo- molecule of oxygen, Alex, you're hitting fast forward on the experience. You're like <laughs> smoke,
3: fast forward. <laughs>
1: um, How long does it last? That experience man can last like 15 to 20 minutes depending on on how your experience is, you know, I know people like to treat things with a lot of fear because that's how we're conditioned. Right. But it was real interesting because the shaman told me he goes, Mitch, he goes, this plant, he goes, this medicine, he goes, has a masculine energy. He goes, so this is going to be an intense one. And he was talking to me like, you know how Latin people speak with a lot of terms endearment, me mm-hmm. baby boy He was treating me like he was my dad. He goes, Mitch, this is going to be incredible for you. He goes, because you have no other chemicals running through your body. This is just the medicine in you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sitting, I'm laying in the bed of bees and my brain is like just firing. I guess both hemispheres look like a scene of the matrix. And really what I was there for, Frank, like you mentioned earlier, I could recognize that I was extraordinarily angry at my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my siblings, my wife, my kids. I was just angry at everyone. Because I felt like they got in the way of my life. Mm. You know, like, um, as you know, Frank, my dreams to be on air, doing broadcasting, doing these things. And at the point in my life when I was really close, you know, my kids came along and I immediately became dad and I left my dreams to the side. So even though people always want to rationalize that type of decision, like it's the right decision. But in reality, I still took an opportunity away from me you know what i'm saying i mean i had interviewed with espn dude i was like dude i'm going to be the first mexican anchor that's what i was that was was on my vision board you know and after suffering so much i thought you know that's where i was headed but so when i was there laying on my back the medicine started showing me like trailers of lives hmm. and i saw a trailer of my mom's life my mom very little my mom seeing her dad die My mom being a beautiful young woman but her suffering and i saw her suffering suffering like real horrible where i was just like damn that's terrible like i can't believe my mom went through that and never shared it with me right Mm. then i saw my dad horrible experiences for my dad and the trailer, bro,
0: looks like you're watching a trailer of a movie. I was going to say, so this is something you're seeing like in my someone mind. physically, or it's in, in your my head? Okay, I got you. It's, it's so in it's my mind loose. like
1: you're dreaming. Like, remember gotcha. the beautiful girl dream that everything yeah. feels real and tangible yeah. and you can smell it? You almost have to remind yourself. And Beto did this. He told me, he goes, Mitch, remember you're just watching it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, dude, watching your mom be destroyed, your dad be destroyed, dude, we're still there, people. We're still their kids. So then I, I saw the movie of my mom. I saw the movie of my dad. I saw the movie of my, grandpa, of my grandmother when my grandfather died. And I could feel their pain, like how heartbroken they were, how destroyed they were. Then I saw my wife. I saw everything she had gone through. I saw my children and their brief lives with their special needs and their challenges. And then, oh, my God, this is like the most intense part. And then i can hear my higher self tell me you see mitch you think they've hurt you or taken something away from you but look what they've been through and especially it focused on on times i was mean to my mom mm. times i was disrespectful to my dad times i was mean to my grandmother or my wife or my kids and i'm seeing this alex like on a trailer because my eyes are closed but under the influence of the medicine the images are super clear Mm. and it just it makes me so emotional thinking about it because when my higher self told me he goes mitch you see that you've taken from them as much as they've taken from you and they still love you Mm. oh my god dude that Mm, was like yeah dude i was crying hysterically (laughs) like you know when you're crying when you cry as a kid after your mom whoops your ass that you're like, <gasps> like you can't even catch your breath. The crying right, is right. so in okay. And dude, that was within the first ten minutes of that medicine, Alex. Wow. And because wow. you're, and because your ego is not present, the medicine is so strong. And the the shaman told me this too, because like you, Alex, I'm inquisitive. So I was like, dude, how? What? And then yeah, this, right. and that, you know. Sure. And then we watch all right. these movies, and movies show us nonsense. And he Mm -hmm. told me straight up, dude, like the most serious face. And he's a real jovial guy that laughs and is joking all the time. (sighs) He goes, mijo, he goes, I don't know how the plant medicine knows what it's supposed to teach you, but it's going to teach you it. And there's not going to be any jokes, any laughter. This is just going to be straight lessons that you need to know. Mm. With the most serious face, bro. So. You know, to being influenced by Hollywood and shit, we think, Oh my god, goblins and demons and shit are gonna No. Dude. The biggest devil you know is yourself. (sighs) And so then, you know, then my the plant medicine showed me my family's experiences and and I understood that as being like, say you guys are my friends. You guys are my friends because of choice but not because of the labels and the expectations I put on you. So it's like a form of detachment. You know, mm-hmm. I have to right. love Alex for Alex. I have to love Frank for Frank, good or bad. Love is love. Love isn't what you do for me or what I do for you. Mm-hmm. That was the first lesson. Right. And in reality, bro, at that point, Alex, I was like, I want out. I, it's like, oh, really? It was, it was so much, so wow. much emotion. I was like, I don't know if I could see this through, right? I got a
3: week left. (laughs) Well, because remember
1: our subconscious records 95% of what's happened to us. So just because we can recall maybe 5%, dude, what's in here? Mm -hmm. What could possibly be in here? So I have that detachment part of the ceremony where I saw my family and I had to release them and just love them for being themselves. And then I had the element of forgiveness where my higher self told me that I had hurt them as much as they've hurt me, so I had to forgive them. Man, that's so interesting. But also, I had to, I had to forgive myself, Alex. Yeah. Because, because everyone always looks from the outside in. Real life is from the inside out. True. So, so I True. realized, dude, that I was just hating them and loving them all at once, right? Polarity, duality, like we talk about. And dude, that was the first ten minutes of that medicine. You know, the, one of the other lessons I remember, this is described like as an egoic death in many cultures and plant ceremonies. You realize that the ego, the ego there just to protect you, man, because of all the trauma you've been through your life. So the ego is rather just a tool of our psyche because we're mind, body, and spirit. So the ego is in there and he's just trying to help you. Hey, Frank, don't do this again, because remember you got fired last time when you did that shit. Alex, please don't make that comment because your engineer is going to get pissed. So that's what the ego is there, right? Trying to help, Mm. trying to coach. But remember, the ego doesn't understand if you're actually in danger. So what's interesting about this is there's something called, um, now to get science-y on you guys, it's called sympathetic nervous system dominance, which we all know as our fight or flight. But the reason so many human beings are having issues is because our fight or flight is stuck. We operate from fight or flight all the time. So even if we're okay, we wouldn't know it because our brain thinks we're in danger.
3: Mm,
1: And I'll give you a great example of this. How many people do you know say, oh my God, I changed my diet, but I haven't been able to lose weight and I'm taking all these medications and now I'm eating a piece of paper and drinking only water. And I haven't lost two pounds. Well, what yeah. that person doesn't know, because we're sympathetic nervous system dominance living, fight or flight, your brain is working on survival. Your brain is like, what? You want to lose five pounds? Who gives a shit? We're, we're healthy at 250 pounds. We can take on anyone who comes at us. We can defend ourselves. We can chop trees or whatever Whatever scenario the brain creates. Sympathetic nervous system is in place. So now you can understand when you do a plant ceremony st- You do a plant ceremony, dude, that survival mechanism is turned off. Then you're like
0: present. What differences did you notice like going for, so from the frog to then like doing ayahuasca, which I I would guess is like probably the biggest of all of the things you did. Oh no.
1: The frog is considered the strongest because of the, the extra molecule of oxygen it possesses. It instead of like, um, so like ayahuasca and mushrooms, they take about thirty minutes to kick in, right? But but the the bullfrog, dude. The bullfrog is like right. when we were little and put a VHS, and you only want to watch the fight
0: scenes. You're like,
3: <laughs> get there.
0: <laughs> but I guess I, I'm thinking I, when I've I guess heard about people's DMT experiences, they they talk about even like leaving this dimension, seeing spiritual beings. Oh, like yeah. it, it's it's not so much. I don't even know. Maybe it's not in your head, but it's it's more like hallucinogenic or like I'm saying like another astral plane. Uh, Does ayahuasca do that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I think happens um, with these plant medicines, Alex is kind of like the wizard of Oz. Like remember when Dorothy peels the curtain back and is like, Oh, it's here. It is. Right. It's like all her ideas and her preconceptions and her judgments and prejudices were existing on this side of the fence. But like you said, you move to another plane and it's like, Oh, that's a lie that's just created by my mind but i'll oh. i'll take you to the ayahuasca ceremony so you know just be warned guys what no one tells you about the ayahuasca ceremony every ayahuasca ceremony has an has has an element of what they call a purge so so when we were at the ayahuasca ceremony we were all sitting in a circle of like 20 people and and the shaman is giving you glasses of the ayahuasca one at a time so mm-hmm. So when you take the medicine, it takes about, it takes about 30 minutes to kick in, but that medicine, that medicine lasts a long time. So the Bufo medicine, probably like 20, 30 minutes. Ayahuasca lasts like, you could have like an eight hour experience depending on how much you ingest. Right. So we were all in the circle. I took like four cups of it. And that's straight up earth, bro. Like, have you ever taken a shot of wheatgrass? Yeah. Okay, now imagine a tall cup of wheatgrass. You know that flavor Uh, where you're like, oh, that's like, you're uh, like, that's grass, bro. Okay, well, now imagine like that grass, dirt flavor. But again, my desperation was so high. I was like, dude, I had this experience with Bufo. Dude, like bring it on. That's how I was. They would tell me, Hey, you want to taste this? Bring it on. Want to do that? Bring it on this. Bring it on. So, um, so the element of the purge, according to Beto, the shaman, you puke and you puke your guts out. I filled a bucket. I filled a bucket and a half of puke Mm. and I had been fasting for three days thinking Mm. I was slick. I was like, "Yeah, bro, I'm gonna fast, and you know, I'm gonna commit myself to the project. I'm not gonna drink any soda, water, and air, so that when I get to the to the ceremony, you know, I won't throw yeah. up as much." It's what I was saying, dude. I took four shots of the ayahuasca, and dude, I puked my guts out to the point where I'm like, I just didn't even know where it was coming from anymore. But yeah. according to the shaman. Dude, you're puking all that bile and everything. You're just getting rid of all the toxins and the impurities that are inside your body. So, and imagine, I filled up a bucket and a half dude. the substance abuse people. The assistants of the shaman were just chucking buckets out into the (laughs) trash. And they were just like, dude, and they were having horrible experiences. I puked. I puked, and according to the shaman. He goes, Mitch, if you're going to have... He goes, you're going to have an extraordinary experience. He goes, but sometimes people fall asleep. He goes, and that's great too. He goes, it's not always about seeing the psychedelic stuff. He goes, but you're going to see a lot of that too. So after I puked my guts out and Frank's all scared. (laughs) Dude, I mean, imagine the worst time that you've been sick and then amplify it times two. Just Mm -hmm. like you're puking. Dude, I was puking so much. I remember thinking, where is this coming from? I'm like... I haven't eaten in three days. Yeah. You know, I'm like, dude, and you know, when we puke normally, it's like, it looks like acidic, like yellow mm-hmm. when there's nothing in your tummy anymore. Okay. No, dude, I was given it. It was black filled two buckets. Wow. And, and after I, and after I did all that, dude, you're so tired. You're, you feel like you've ran 20 miles because you were using so much of your body to, to get that out. It's you know, what the shaman told me, he goes, Mitch, you're getting rid of all the poison in your body, in mind, body, and spirit. He goes, So all the poisonous emotions that you've been dealing with, he goes, you can see them right there. And so, dude, I had two buckets and I was just like, Christ my I dude, I to the point where I was like, I don't think I have anything left to give, dude. It's like there's nothing yeah. there, but evidently there was enough for two buckets. Um And so then I took my blanket and I lay down. And then I could hear, I could hear my grandma's voice. She was like, baby, she goes, You need to go to sleep right now. She goes, because you can't see what's gonna happen. And I was like, but no, 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 I wanna see it. I wanna see it. And she goes, No. And you know when your grandmother would put you to sleep and she would like tap you on your back and just go, shh, shh, shh. And that would help you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So, dude, I fell asleep for six hours. Obviously, you go somewhere, but when I woke up, dude, I'm feeling like a million bucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking awesome." And then I wake up, dude, and I start seeing what's going on around me. and all the substance abuse people, dude, were in straight torment, mm. like like a purgatory. and like you said, Alex, I could see I could see shadows dancing amongst them, like mm. like te- like terrorizing them. And, and I remember when I saw it and I was like, holy shit. And cause you can see that with the ayahuasca, you can see it. That wasn't in your mind's eye. I'm looking and it's psychedelic, you know, the moon is dancing. There was dogs there and even the dogs were like tripping out. And it was weird because the dogs were there. Like there was like nine strays in that neighborhood. And when we did the ceremony, dude, all the nine straights created a circle around us. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, dude, if dogs feel that it's necessary to protect this place, I'm like, damn, this is going to be crazy. <laughs> and so and so, I I slept for like six hours. I got up and, dude, all the guys that were the, sub- the people that had substance abuse problems were still puking their guts out. Mm. They were... I could see the shadows, bro, like harlequin clowns dancing around them. Like, and the guys were just like in absolute torment. And some of the things I heard, dude, I just, I remember hearing them and I was just like, I remember praying for them because they were all real close to me, dude. So there's nothing they could have said that I would not have heard. But I heard, sorry, mom, for hitting you. Sorry, dad, for pushing you. Sorry, mom, for stealing from you. Sorry, mom, for mistreating you. Sorry to their wives, to their kids. But I mean, Alex, with an intensity of, of absolute regret, like I remember being there and the shaman like pulled me back a little bit and he goes, Mitch, just stay here. And I, And I was outside of their circle so I could see everything going on. Some people were punching themselves, hitting themselves. Just crying uncontrollably, man. It was like, it must have been like their come to Jesus moment of all the stuff they did. Because that ayahuasca, the shaman told me, has a feminine energy. So because I was raised by women, dude, I had I knew I was gonna have a good experience. And I remember sitting there, Alex, and you're gonna love this part. So I'm watching, you know, Dante's Inferno in front of me. And I remember being so impressed by it. Like, but I was like, no, I have to see it. Because you're seeing it in real life. Like I'm talking to you right now. You're seeing these things tormenting them. And I remember I look over and there was a white, there was like a white orb, a really big one with colorful sprinkles. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, dude, you're my guardian angel. And he was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'm just sitting here protecting you from that. And I was like, you're protecting me? And he goes, yeah, you don't want to know what that is. He goes, but Mitch, I never leave you. I've always been with you. Every time you hurt yourself as a kid, when you were alone, when you were praying, when you were crying on the floor
0: of your house, dude, and I had just been crying on the floor of my house like Hmm. a month ago. Hmm. Did you recognize the voice? Was it anyone like a a grandparent or anyone you knew? No, no,
1: it wasn't. It it Mm. was just, it was him or what Mm -hmm. you would call your higher self. But it was a trip man and I could see him like like I can see this cup of coffee like it, <laughs> it was that it was that wow. tangible where it was like and it and it was weird man because you know at that point you're seeing that we're so much more than 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 your flesh your mind your brain we truly are mind body spirit and an absolute divinity I mean it is an absolute gift to have a life that we have. You know, I've lost four or five friends in the last year. Cancer, <laughs> diabetes, types of illnesses. Mm. And so when I'm sitting there, dude, and I'm talking to my higher self, dude, you believe in magic. It's like you're inside a Disney movie, a Disney movie you're watching and you go to Disneyland as a kid. And then someone drops you in the middle of a movie. Mm. And yeah, man, my higher self was like, dude, I'm always with you. Like, You're good. You're good. And he kept telling me, he goes, dude, everything's okay. He was like trying to coach me. And this is another thing I understood. When we're on the other side, even though it seems like a really long time for us, Alex, you're there like microseconds. So when my higher self was telling me stuff, he was like, Mitch, don't forget to do this. Mitch, don't forget to tell your mom this. And it's like, he's trying to give me all these downloads. And I was so in the medicine I was like, dude, what's your rush? And he was like and he was like, no, he goes, 'Cause you're gonna forget. And that's what he kept telling me. You're gonna forget. And you and he was like, I'll come to you in dreams and I'm always with you. He goes, but you won't be able to hear me unless you do the medicine again. And and that was and dude, and that lasted like eight hours, bro.
2: Did anybody uh, from the other from from your group come out of that with the sense that this was not right for them, that they, shouldn't have, they should not have gone down that road? No, no.
1: Everyone told me that, that there was parts of it that were extraordinarily intense, but they all saw their ancestors. They all had loving experiences. It's like the medicine taught them what they're not doing good and what they haven't done good, and then who you are and what you're mm-hmm. capable of.
2: A uh, reason I ask, and you, you might see where I'm going with this, but but I'm hearing this experience, and I'm thinking, well, shoot, yeah, everyone will do it. Yeah. Uh, well, not not only everyone will do it, but but certainly there are folks who could benefit from that type of experience. Particularly, what what comes to mind is uh, people, adult men, who have made the decision to not participate in their lives anymore, right? For one reason or another, and to have whatever experience because it sounds like the experience that you have is the one that you need to have that like, it's like, like you mentioned, it wasn't, I don't know how the medicine knows, but it does. And so
1: it's, it's divine baby boy. Th- so right. It gets instructions from on high. And
2: when I hear this, I'm, I'm hopeful. It sounds great. I'm so happy that you got to experience this, Mitch, and that you have, you, you, that you have this knowledge and that you, you got to get in touch with all, all of, all of the shit, right? Yeah. And to play and and to and to play in the dirt and and to and to go to battle with yourself. I can only think that like this is a step in the right direction. But how do we get there? How do we how do we make it so that this is accessible? And also, how do we make it so that like, for example, I can't tell you how many people I hear talk about the legality of, of uh, psilocybin in Oregon, mm-hmm. and then conflating that with people just Taking a drug, right, or partying, right. or right. something like that, right? Where 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 it's like, how do you get the stigma of this kind of experience away from recreational drugs? And I see yeah. I see too much of that intermixing, and it and it and it frustrates me a lot because if people were able to hear this experience, maybe maybe they wouldn't, maybe they'd be too afraid to go and and take that journey. But at least they would have the the baseline understanding that this isn't something that you mess with. This isn't no. something that you. You flippantly just decide to participate in. Th- th- this is something that deserves a whole heck of a lot of respect.
1: Yeah, it's um, you know, you know, from the ceremonies I've done, I approached it with a lot of reverence. Um, and and it's like it's interesting because I think what the medicine taught me in all those days is is like I ha- I have four tenants now that I try to teach everyone I come in contact with. I talk to them about self love self-trust, self-forgiveness, and self-awareness. Those are like my four. But it was only through the medicine that I really learned to like forgive myself and then let go of all the judgment because we are judgment creatures, man. We are... It's so hard to explain that because when I try to tell people we are stuck on autopilot on the worst operating system ever introduced introduced into the human body. Because remember, we had... Our parents, traumas, prejudices and judgments input into us at our most sensitive time, which has become our adult operating system. Where do you think midlife crises come from, bro? Mm. Because someone wakes up and says, oh, my God, I'm living my mom's life. I'm living my dad's life. And I hate those fools, but I'm already married, five kids, <laughs> career, and then people do crazy shit. But it's like, it's such a cry for help. Um, And I used to be very judgmental about that, man, until my wife and I had some challenges. And it's like, it's like you, if you love someone, dude, love is action. You know, um, F. Scott Peck has the best description of love I've ever heard. He says, love is your willingness to extend yourself in order for the people in your circle to be taken care of and have the best experience because love implies selflessness. Dude, I can't love you if I if I really want to love you and it be a healthy love and not codependence, there has to be an element of detachment. I have to allow you to be frank and you're going to make all the mistakes, dude. But what I try to tell my clients is friction is freedom. Life friction is the trail that leads you to love,
3: mm.
1: leads you to development, leads you to ascension. And then people tell me, yeah, Mitch, but you don't know. This happened to me. I'm like, dude, I got hit by a car going 80 miles an hour two years ago. I understand what suffering is. But I've also seen the other side of suffering. And it's extraordinary. And that's that like, that spark of the divine that Alex has, that you have. But society convinces you you're not special. You're not unique. You're not divine. The truth is we all are.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, man, to hear you talk about like the trauma you carried or just things from your life, your parents' life. Uh, it, it, you're selling me on it big time just because I, I come from <laughs> I come from uh, a family, like my parents got divorced when I was very young, uh, and then both uh, ended up getting remarried. Those families were together for 10, 12, 13 years, and then they both actually got divorced again. So the, a lot of those feelings that you were kind of harboring and feeling – I I feel you there. Like I, I'm not to get into making a therapy session, but like I feel like I share some of that and and would benefit from an experience like this because maybe I'm harboring bad emotions or ill will or anything like that to where something that like this is is could be really beneficial.
1: Well, if you really think about it, Alex, and just sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. What people don't understand is our brain. Our brain is really like a computer, man. It's just assimilating data. Right. But let's say when you were going through all these horrible experiences you don't have any logic to say oh my mom and dad are human beings with certain limitations they didn't make good decisions they didn't make good decisions and got together and then this is all the fallout but it's not my fault and i'm not attached to it right right Right? that Mm -hmm. like now but when you're little dude it might as well be a hadouken from street fighter bang (laughs) and your brain is like oh my god i deserve hadoukens (laughs) and so you go through the rest of your life and you're waiting for the hadouken. You're waiting for the hadouken, and everything's cool. And then it happens, and you're like, I knew it was gonna happen. Like yeah, I knew right. it, dude. Right.
3: Okay.
1: Well, imagine when you're in the plant medicine, dude. It allows you to process some of those real painful memories, and mm-hmm. then you just and then you digest them and you let them go. Then you have the the context of being look being able to look at a situation, and you're not picking the good guy versus the bad guy. My mom is the best. My dad's a douche. Da, da, da. No, you're like, hey, they're human beings. Right. Limited education. Right. They've made bad decisions. But their bad decisions was the nuclear bomb that blew up my brothers and I. Right. right. Okay, but imagine being able to, to me deflate that balloon inside
0: of you, Alex. You might go,
3: <sighs> right. I can right. Well, yeah, it's it. like, and it's like,
0: and like you're talking with the ego, like that can a lot of times like make you play the victim a lot in your own head. Like I, oh, I see that ego in my life all the time. Victim, bro, yeah, the ego yeah. loves the victim. No, so man. Frank
1: doesn't understand that when I was little, <laughs> they didn't let me eat Lucky Charms and shit. <laughs> oh, dude, and your brain, and inside your brain is a little guy with a typewriter. Oh my God, I love that. Let's make a screenplay of that. We're gonna make a movie. <laughs> It's All gonna right. win a thousand Academy Awards, <laughs> and you're gonna be the main actor. You're gonna be great, because it really happened to you. And Lucky Charms, everyone needs to eat. And it creates this narrative, dude. And you believe the narrative. You know, I read a a neuropsychologist say that that as years go by, like five years go by, our memory is 85 percent less accurate. Mm. Wow. So imagine everything you think. Oh no, I remember it. All right dude, I would love to put a movie on, rewind it, and you might be the fucking tormentor, bro, or the tyrannical guy running around. (laughs) (laughs) Right, brain, But your brain remembers the emotion, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And the emotion was pain, and it was hurt, and it was sorrow, and no one was there to say, hey, Alex, it's okay, dude, fuck it, don't worry. It's not your fault. I love you, you love you. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like these critical Mm -hmm. moments that it could have been nipped in the butt, But then we carry that forward with our partners, with our Mm. girlfriends, with our friends. And it's like, and that's why the detachment lesson is so important. Because Frank, if you're my friend, you're down for me. So if we're at a bar and five guys come, we're going to jump them. We're going to fight. No, that's not Frank's fault. Frank should have nothing to do with it. I don't (laughs) care how much he loves me as a friend. That is not his business. More importantly, I shouldn't be doing stuff like that because that's how people get in accidents and get killed. Dude, and I'm trained to do that. And I'm like, hey, that's just not a good thing. But it's it's those things that I wish people understood, especially people suffering through mental health problems, that it's like, hey, that narrative might not be completely accurate. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying something didn't happen to you. And if it's like, you know, you got your ass beat or some type of sexual abuse or, yeah, absolutely. But let's work on that so you can move past that. Not stay stuck there. Because that will always be an active part of your personality.
2: You know, I Mitch, when I I was ten years ago, I, I was go, I was going through some, some stuff, and and I, I had reached out to you. One of the most impactful things that I ever heard was you had told me when I was going through this time, you need to stop making these movies in your head. And I had never even one time thought that I was doing. But then I you brought awareness to that, and I was like, oh wow, I am. Because right? how many of these things that I'm thinking are actually real? They actually happened? Are they actually in reality? Are they going to come true? Are they going to come true? Or how much of it is it just me taking one thing and just running with it? And just right. running with it. So yeah, and, and I think it comes back to what we were talking about when we first started talking today about that, that cognitive dissonance, that you, you could hear information that goes against what you're telling yourself in your head. And it still doesn't make that impact until you have that breakthrough of, oh, actually this isn't true at all. Not only is this not true, it's something I've made up in my own head. And how many bridges am I building to go over these gaps that I'm filling in, in my own brain? And that stuck with me, man. And to this day, it's, it's been one of the best things that I turn to, that I, that I bring awareness to is how much of this is real. And if I'm, and if I'm using my better judgment to, to, to say I'm, I'm here at point A and I've arrived at point B and the things that are in between, I'm, I'm filling in the gaps myself. And if it, if it becomes, you know, two, three bridges that I'm, that I'm building, I'm, that might be too many. And then if it's five or six or seven, that's definitely too many bridges. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's just so, it's so helpful. Yeah. I just, I wanted to bring that up because it, it, Talking about it, it it stuck with me for forever.
1: No, what's funny, Frank, is what you're describing is going back to the to the sympathetic nervous system living. We're just living in fear. We're looking for the boogeyman. You know, the opposite side of sympathetic nervous system is parasympathetic, where we're able to rationalize, come to a conclusion, breathe our way through it, entertain different possibilities, maybe go for a run, maybe go for a walk in the sunlight, go dancing, do art, do things to balance all that. Because remember your brain, we programmed our brain to always think in terms of fear. So now, you know, how do we break down fear? Well, let's say us three are gonna go for a walk in the park and there's a gang of Rottweilers at the park and they look fired up. I'll look to you guys and say, hey guys, we're not going to the park, right? Cause that's danger. They will probably hurt us. Okay, same scene. Let's say we're going to the park and we see dogs in the distance. But around the corner, all their owners are sitting there drinking coffee. But you're imagining, oh, my God, those dogs are going to mow us down. That's fear because you're imagining the scenario. Mm -hmm. You know, there's danger and fear. Dude, fear is an idea. Fear is an emotion. You can crutch that supersede that with logic right and belief and faith and love and everything and then we walk we see all the owners they're having their coffee a bunch of hipsters and shit and maybe the dogs from a distance look big and maybe when we get there do are beagles <laughs> and you're like eh, it's not it's not meant to be afraid of like it's but it's like you know once you start conditioning your brain like that then your brain starts learning oh okay maybe that's not as big of a deal as i thought you know it's like Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll just work through it or maybe the situation just is what it is and and that's also okay
0: you, you described yourself as spiritual. I'm sure you were before this I have to imagine that this like heightened that spiritual awareness that identity in you after this whole experience Would you say that with the things you saw and, and everything did it ease any? notions of death, any fears of death, like connecting on the spiritual level to the earth and the plants and, and just everything like, did did that ease anything or are they kind of not related?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, like after those experiences with the plant medicine, I became really aware that like, you know, I'm a mind, body, spirit machine, you know, Mm kind of like the matrix where they put in an identity and a person and that person is who it is. And that and that everything is precious, man, that time is really short, that that even if I live 90 years and that might go in a blink of an eye right. and um, and the death part as well. It's like, don't get me wrong. What, uh, you know, death is always something you're aware of. But because I am of a spiritual nature and believe in reincarnation, I also don't feel like this is the end,
3: like yeah, it'll right. just
1: be a more advanced version of me in its next incarnation, whatever that may look like. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's funny is a lot of what like my higher self was trying to tell me, I find myself being that with my kids. Like, especially when I see them stressing, I'm like, I'm like, hold on. Mm -hmm. Don't stress. You know, it's done. I try to help them process it and I help them try to talk through it. And it's unfortunate because I tell them, I go, guys, I'm not going to be around for a really long time. Help me give you all the information I can. And, dude, they don't even know yet, Alex. My son's 18. My other son's 15. Dude, when my eldest son turns 21, plant medicine. When my other <laughs> one turns 21, plant medicine. But those nice. I'm going to do with them.
0: You are So you would do it again. Okay. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, dude, between yeah. you and I, I buy mushrooms and I do ceremonies for myself. But mm-hmm. I'm very careful about how much I consume. Because if you can consume about two grams of whatever, and it's still very strong. Yeah. You, you consume four to five grams of something, dude, it's like star Trek. it me up. Scott, you're, <laughs> you're, you're trying to, you're trying to willfully walk across the veil. And yeah. I I treat that with a lot of respect, man. And I look at it with a lot of reverence because a lot of people get addicted to the idea because the plant medicine, it takes pressure off you and you don't realize you're living under so much pressure even though your body is giving you indications, you know, you're constipated, you get tummy aches when you drink milk or you can't eat tomato sauce or our body's trying to communicate with us, but it doesn't speak English. It speaks body, right? Vibration, frequency. So now Alex, I've been taking much better care of my diet, man. Like mm-hmm. I stopped drinking coffee. I kick coffee with mushrooms.
0: Mm. Oh, right? Interesting. right
1: before one ceremony I did for myself like a month ago, because coffee becomes acetylcholine, dude. And if that's not measured in your body, that puts you into fight or flight. The chemical does. Chemical creates a reaction in your body. So the last ceremony I did for myself, I was like, hey, holy mother, holy father. I don't want to be really hooked on coffee anymore. I don't want to feel like I need a. I I was drinking five or six cups, bro, to cope with all the pressure and stress of modern life. And I recognize that that's just not good for me. So... I, I had a ceremony for myself here at my house, in my room, cleared space, sage, the whole nine yards. And I was like, I don't want to drink coffee anymore. And that was a month ago. And I haven't had a cup of coffee since.
2: Man, that's such a, co- that's such a cool thing to, to do it with, with such intent, mm-hmm. to go into it with like, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And I'm, I'm doing this in order to help a leave me of this addiction that I have to coffee, caffeine, whatever, whatever it could be. I had uh, somebody very near and dear to me who was in the military and saw a lot of shit and was, uh, was able to get into military sponsored clinical trials for, uh, for ketamine. Oh yeah. And the benefits to that I mean, he, he, I, I was told that, that they were able to have, a after their first treatment, they had a, a full night's sleep for the first time in years. Oh my goodness. Wow. And and it was with the intent of, hey, I, I know that there's things that, that I saw that, that I'm not able to deal with. I'm not able to process. I can't digest this fully and correctly. So I want to do this in order to alleviate that instead of just like popping it. As I've gone older, I've I've gotten a lot more conscious of a mind-altering substance, and and the 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 strength that it has. Even something as little as like marijuana. Yeah. That it it's not it's a it's a non-trivial thing to to do. And as you as you you know, what I, I I don't particularly believe that you know marijuana is a gateway drug, but but I mm-hmm. think it certainly does allow you to open the door to other things. I'm not saying you're going to become an addict, but but it certainly allows you to go from this step to that step. And if you're going to be doing that, I, I I think the most important thing in, this is just me personally is intention is to yeah. do it with something is, is to do it with something in mind, not just like, Oh, I want to, I want to experience this because then uh, you could tell me I'm wrong, Mitch, but to me, that's just opening up Pandora's box. Like, Oh, you want to see the devil? Well, here he is motherfucker. And like, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> you know? Oh, when, when people tell me, Oh my God, I saw this, I
1: saw that. And they're describing really horrible things, no judgment. But in my mind, I always think, well, dude, what were you doing? Mm. What's going on on the inside of you? You know, are you a liar? Are you a cheater? Are you a thief? Are you doing all these fucked up things? Because let me ask you a question. Let's say you do plant medicine and the intention is to heal. If there's a divine spirit, why would they punish and torment you? Mm. That, that doesn't make sense to an omnipresent being, right? Alex wants to get better. Let me scare the shit out of him. Oh, but mm-hmm. what if Alex shows us that he's normal, but when we don't see him, you're a fucking devil. Well, when because he does have plant no medicine, idea.
0: you have no idea.
1: You have no idea, <laughs> right? And so, and what your friend did with the ketamine, dude, thank God. And it's an extraordinary blessing because what's ironic is one of the things I read in the shaman journals and stuff, when soldiers would lose their heart and didn't want to go back in war, they would do plant ceremonies.
3: Mm.
1: And I'm sure like now we're looking at it like a science thing. Well, it makes sense. Plant medicine helps them digest the trauma. They deal with the trauma. They're able to get back to kind of homeostasis. Then they can function as human beings. Like you All just right. said, your friend was wow. able to sleep. Imagine, dude, your friend hasn't been at peace for years. Mm-hmm. Hasn't slept probably more than two, three hours at a time in years. And then people wonder why he doesn't look happy. <laughs>
0: He's fucking tired, dude. Right. You know? Yeah, right.
1: He hasn't rested, Shit. so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like you, Frank, I, I don't like how people treat something that's sacred, in my perspective, as something recreational because anything done for recreation, I mean, let's be honest, dude, like alcohol, cigarettes, mm-hmm. right, that's recreational drug use. What are the end results of that? They're almost never Awful. positive. Never yeah. positive, right? Right. So you're right. It's interesting when, you know, my wife and some friends, we went out, we were at a dance club and the guy was like, oh my God, Mitch, I have these great mushrooms and and he tried to hand it to me. And I was like, no. (laughs) And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, dude, you're trying to hand me a psychedelic substance in a nightclub with God only knows who's here, Mm -hmm. what energies are running around. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm going to drink my beer and I'm good. But I thought you were into all this stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm into it for ceremony, for healing, for helping someone, for helping someone deal with something. Dude, it's not fun. Like it's not fun for me. That's not a fun activity. Yeah. Because when I'm trying to help someone to those emotions are what are inhibiting that human being from having the best life possible. And dude, you want to take mushrooms at a nightclub where everyone else is under the influence of God knows what? It's like you want to talk about luciferianism that that's the environment where uh. Stuff is going down, you know. It's that it's funny. I'm like, nah, no, thank you. I'm you good. You bet.
0: Well,
2: I I, uh, I could talk about this for for literal hours, but I I do have to run. You, Can I ask one, one question, say, Alex? One
0: one more. I was just curious, like the whole process of going to stay in there for a week was and taking all these all of these plants was it affordable? Like, is it is it a cost effective therapy option? In Mexico, it's very inexpensive, man. I did the whole thing
1: for probably under two thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, And that was like food, lodging, and all the medicine. Okay. This is becoming really popular. Um, The most popular one is some of the ones in Costa Rica because that place is also very liberal, has an element of shamanism. But they do it Mm. at resorts over there.
0: Over Mm, there, it's more expensive because it's like a five-star resort. So it's like you went to the Ritz Carlton and they do ayahuasca. Man, I should've looked I was there last year. I should have looked into that. Oh Damn. dude. It's it's called Rhythmia.
1: Oh. It's rhythmia. Rhythmia? Okay, I'll check it out. Rhythmia. Yeah, that was my original destination, but then COVID hit and so I had to modify my plans. But gotcha. that was originally okay. where I was gonna go. But yeah, it's becoming cool. real common all over Peru, Central and South America, Mexico. Yeah. It's
0: it's nice that they keep it affordable though because it's still about the the medicine and and what they're doing, not just like let us capitalize off all of these Americans or whatever. Like it seems like they actually do want to help people. It's not a tourist trap. They recognize this crazy game that we play here, man, and it's just yeah, yeah. that is a crazy
2: crazy game we play. Um, well, yeah, I, I I I really appreciate you being on here. I am a believer in this type of healing, and I think that. Uh, the more that people can hear conversations about it, the more that it becomes destigmatized, and the more that it becomes a realistic path uh, for somebody who is interested in it. So, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. And, uh, and I speak for Alex; so I can't wait to have you back on.
1: Whatever you guys need, man, I'm totally here and I'm
0: full support of your program. So,
1: whatever you want,
0: I'm down. Absolutely, yeah. You are welcome anytime, my friend. All right, All right guys. Thanks. Yeah, guys, have a good one. Yeah. That was just excellent, Mitch. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, You guys, thanks for listening. I know it was a little bit of a longer one, but that was way too interesting to try to cut short yeah whenever that would have been so
2: 100 percent. and if, you, if you've gotten this far i hope you've gotten some value out of it
0: yeah absolutely uh in the meantime if you guys want to check in with us on the socials uh until the next episode you can find us on twitter at friendship nh trying to build up that community so please give us a follow if you have one uh you can find us on tiktok and instagram at friendship news hour and you can always send us an email to bummerdude.media at gmail.com we'll be sure to get back to you uh we'll see you next week and for frank I'm, I'm gonna see you in person next week that's exciting you will a little bit. That's right. That's we crazy. Could, we could do this nipple to nipple kind of kind of. I've podcast, seen you at you know? least
2: three or four times since we've started this podcast. We've never <laughs> once in person.
0: <laughs> Maybe
2: we'll change that. All right. See ya.